You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Imagine how the heart of God grieves because he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He didn't create hell for us. He said, I don't believe in hell. You better be right. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus believes in hell. He talked more about hell recorded in these pages of the four gospels than he did about heaven. More record of Jesus talking about hell than he talked about heaven. I think one of the reasons is he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He desires everyone to repent. You know what repentance does? Removes the obstacles between me and God. Some sins are incredibly enticing and hard to let go of. This is especially true if you feel that these particular sins are not that bad of a sin. However, refusal to acknowledge sin and repent is a barrier between you and God. Today, Pastor Danny discusses that whatever you can't or won't repent of holds you captive. It keeps you from a loving God who longs to forgive you. You resist the gift of grace that Jesus offers. Instead, in humility, confess your sins and change. You'll receive grace and forgiveness. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Blessings of Repentance. Second Peter, he writes and he says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me tell you the way Ezekiel puts it. Ezekiel 18, verse 32, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. God took me to Luke's gospel, chapter 13, as I was thinking about it. In Luke chapter 13, Some people come to Jesus, and they say, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Pilate, wicked guy, hated Christians, hated Jews who worshiped the God of Israel. And what they're referring to are some Galileans, some Israelites, and in the act of worship under the Old Testament economy where they're bringing sacrifices, and so they're blood sacrifices. And while they're offering these blood sacrifices in worship to their God, in the midst of their act of worship, Pilate commands some of his henchmen to come in and murder them. And as they are killed, their blood mixes with the blood of the very sacrifices they're offering to God. And and people are asking Jesus, why would God allow that? Why'd that happen? And notice the answer, verse 2. Jesus answered, 
Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. He doesn't stop there. Look at what he says in verse 4. Are those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? That was a recent tragedy, an accident. 18 people die. Tower falls on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. What's the point that he's making? It's very clear the point that he's making is that you're all going to die. You don't know how you're going to die. You don't know when you're going to die, but you're going to die. And there is no guarantee for any single person here. Listen, every breath you take is a gift from God. Don't you play Russian roulette with your soul. If you die today and you've never repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are headed for a Christless eternity and you will forever and ever and ever and ever and ever regret it. Because you had a chance. You had an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity because God wants everybody to repent. He wants everyone to repent. Imagine how the heart of God grieves. Because he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He didn't create hell for us. He said, I don't believe in hell. You better be right. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus believes in hell. He talked more about hell recorded in these pages of the four gospels than he did about heaven. More record of Jesus talking about hell than he talked about heaven. I think one of the reasons is he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He desires everyone to repent. You know what repentance does? Removes the obstacles between me and God. Some people listening right now, you may be going, I know I need to repent. I know I need to receive Jesus. But I'm just not ready. Here's what they mean by that. There's something that's in the way. For me, young teenager, my mother and grandmother had taken me to the Baptist church right down the road when I was just a little kid, Emmanuel Baptist Church, Pastor Milton Frazier. Years passed. By the time I got in middle school, I ain't going to the Baptist church. I ain't going to church at all. (laughs) I'm going where the girls are. I'm going where the cool people are. I'm going where the parties are. I became a drummer. I started getting invited with a little band we had to play at these birthday parties. I was a rock star. I ain't going to church. Now, in the Baptist denomination, a lot of them have what they call visitation. Let me tell you what visitation is. There's a night of the week, and anybody that wants to, and it's only a small number that are, that are willing to do it, Baptists that go to that church, and you come, and somehow you've got names of people that you're going to go and visit. And you're going to share the gospel with them. You're going to share Christ with them. Or you're going to invite them back to church. They used to go years ago, but they've stopped going, you know. And you're going you're to try to encourage them to get back involved. And so you, you, you have visitation. Well, somehow... They got my name. Probably my mother, maybe my grandmother, but somehow they got my name. And all of a sudden, before I could go out and party this one night, all of a sudden, my mother comes and says, there's this guy here to see you from Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm like, oh! (laughs) Sat me down, shared the gospel with me. Talk with me. He was a nice guy. Nice. I can see him right now in my mind. Nicest guy in the world. Tried to lead me in a prayer. I'm like, mm, nah. 
Why? There were things in between me and doing that. Because I knew. I knew enough when I was a child. I knew enough to know that if I was going to do that, if I was going to do that, if I was going to pray that prayer, you know, if I was going to repent, that means <laughs> the party life, the party life, at least the way, I, the way I knew it. I mean, it was over with. Okay? And I'm like, I'm having too much fun. I'm enjoying life too much. And who, what foolish person ever said sin is not fun? If you didn't enjoy sexual immorality, why would you do it? I hate it. No, oh, you love it. But it's still sin. You're involved with somebody not your wife, not your husband. That's called sin. I was involved. I was partying. I was doing drugs. I was drinking, you know. And, man, we had some great times. I had some great friends, then we had some great parties. I was living it up. And so when that guy come from the Baptist church from visitation night to my house, nah, I am forever thankful that I didn't die. I get up one Saturday morning at the crack of noon. I'd been partying, 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 partying early into the morning. By the time I go outside, I looked at the driver's, no, it was the passenger side of my car. The whole side of the car was crashed in, but still drivable. To this day, I'm telling you, to this day, I have no idea how I drove that car home, and I have no idea what happened to the side of that car. That's how messed up I was. I have no recollection of coming home that night. No recollection. No recollection of how my car got damaged. That's how bad it was. There's so many times I could have died. And I was afraid to die because I knew the truth. I knew from when I was a little boy, I'd heard the truth about Jesus. I knew. I knew I needed to repent. I knew it. When I'm 18 years old, I met this girl. I fell head over heels in love with her. I thought, this is the girl of my dreams. One day we'll get married. We weren't married. We were living together off and on. It was while I was dating her that the Holy Spirit began to convict me so deeply. I knew. I knew I needed to get right with God. I knew it. I would get very moody. We'd be out. We'd be drinking and stuff. And she wasn't a druggie. She drank. We'd go to the bars, but she wasn't a druggie. And she was influential in getting me off the drugs. God used this relationship to help get me off the drugs. But I'd still go out and drink with her. And I knew, I knew she loved me when our first, my first birthday being together with her, she gave me a carton of Winston cigarettes. <laughs> Not a pack. She gave me a carton. I knew she loved me. We were in love, and I thought she's the girl of my dreams. But I began to be convicted. I would get moody, especially when we had been drinking, you know. I would cry, and she would say, what's wrong? And I'd say, I can't tell you. Because what I wanted to tell her was, I'm not right with God. One night, one night after several of these incidents over months, I turned to her. I turned to her as she's dropping me off at my house that night after we had been out partying. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I'm not right with God. It wasn't because I said that, but in a very short time after that, my life didn't change. She broke up with me. I was devastated. I, was de I couldn't eat. I would eat, and I would, I would throw up. 
It was the most painful thing I'd ever gone through in my life. I thought, my life is over. She broke it up with me. I never could make miserable all my life, you know. But that helped to eventually open the door for me to be able to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now I look back and realize she was not God's will for my life. Wendy was. And Wendy is so happy about that. <laughs> Let me tell you. She's so happy about that. <laughs> that was a good one, wasn't it? That was, that was, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> uh, Wendy was God's will for my life. And I finally repented. And I said, God, you can take anything. And I laid my life down and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and now the obstacles are out of the way. Listen. A girlfriend can be in the way. A boyfriend can be in the way. Somebody you love can be in the way. And a, a bad habit can be in the way. You know, money can get in the way. The rich young ruler. What repentance does, it removes the obstacles between you and God. And you finally say, okay, Lord, I repent. And it's the best thing you could ever do. I look back at the passage, and the full passage in Isaiah says the valleys will be filled in. The mountains and hills made low, the crooked roads made straight, the rough ways made smooth. And for me, I put the valleys filled in. If you were a low life, a low life we've defined as a person considered morally unacceptable. The mountains and hills made low, that's the prideful person, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, thinking, I'm okay. No, you're not. The crooked roads made straight. That's the person that's just headed the wrong direction. And maybe even religiously, there is a way that seems right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Listen, Allah and Jesus can't both be right. The Jehovah's Witnesses and what we believe can't both be right. They're two different Jesuses. There's one path. There's one road. There's one Jesus. The rough ways, that's just the outright rebel made smooth. Whatever the obstacle is, whatever the hindrance is, repentance paves the way. Okay. Repentance is mysterious because repentance, the Bible says, is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. God grants someone repentance. It's a gift. We could not repent if God did not allow us to. But while it's a gift of God, because Jesus said, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him. But while it's an act of God and it's a gift, it's also a personal choice. I couldn't repent unless God gives me the opportunity, but it's a personal choice. Revelation 16 is the time in the yet future when cataclysmic events are happening on the earth in a period known as the Great Tribulation. And God's intention is, as things heat up, if you will, on the earth, God wants people to, re to repent. But it says there, as bad as things get, there are those, and it says it twice there in those few verses, that refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. It's a choice. It's a gift, but you can refuse the gift. You can say, no. Personal choice. It can be resisted. It can be resisted. A guy named Stephen gave a blistering message recorded in the book of Acts, and he talked about the history of the Jews and how often in history they had resisted the Holy Spirit. Resisted the Holy Spirit. Repeated resistance can be very bad. Damning. Here's some of the things that happens on repeated resistance. Number one, 
You can become calloused over time. I have a callus right here. I could take a pen, stick it right in this callus. I wouldn't feel a thing. I could go one inch below it. Ah! What's the difference? This is a callus. It's skin, but over time, over time, it has become callous and it become insensitive. The more you resist, the longer you resist, greater potential for callousness. Doesn't mean God's not speaking to you. It just means you're desensitized. You become calloused and your heart can become calloused. Romans 1 says, those who continue to resist, God says, okay. I'll just let you go on your way. And you're given over to whatever it is your desire is. Now you're just free to live the way you want to live. Okay, that's the way you want to go. But you're headed for damnation. Not a good thing. And then the most sobering verse is in Proverbs 29, verse 1. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Repeated resistance, bad, 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 bad. A lot of us, I know, you have, you have at some point in your life repented and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so for some of us, the majority of this message is like, I know this, I know this, I know this. Can we go to brunch? But here's the last point. Do you know repentance is necessary even after salvation? Seven letters to seven churches, they are intended to be messages for the church age that includes us. First church, Ephesus. Jesus commended them for so many things, and then he said, but I got one thing against you. You left your first love. As I've studied that, my understanding, that means two things. They're not as passionate for Jesus as they used to be. They're not in fellowship with the church as much as they used to be. You read Ephesians, that book of Ephesians that Paul wrote, your love for all the saints. There was something about fellowship and love for the saints. And, and somehow in life, while they got their doctrine down and they got organized and they could recognize false apostles, he said, but I hold this against you. Remember the height from which you've fallen. It was a big deal. They're saved. But he said, you left your first love. And here was the counsel of that church. Do the things you did at first. And that's easy to think. What, what were the things I was doing when I first became a Christian, when I was so on fire? Just go back and start doing those things again. Do the things you did at first. Second church was the church of Pergamum. They got in a bad crowd. Bad crowd can be at church. There are people at church that aren't really committed to Jesus. They attend they got involved with a bad crowd. They got involved in sexual sin. And Jesus says, repent. Third church was the church of Thyatira. They committed the same sin as Pergamum with one noteworthy difference. They had been warned to repent, and they had resisted repeatedly. And now Jesus says, what's about to happen? You're not going to enjoy. Stop resisting. Repent. Fourth church was the church of Sardis, and they had a reputation of being alive, but Jesus says, but the truth is you did, spiritually. On the outside, everything's good. Come to church, praise the Lord, good to see your brother, you know, but there's hidden sin in their life, hidden sin. What you see is not what you get, not the truth, it's not reality. They're living a life of hypocrisy. And the last church is probably one of the most 
practical for the church in America to hear. Because the church of Laodicea, it was the richest city, wealthy. A lot of retirees moved to Laodicea because they had these hot springs. The hot springs would provide water down into Laodicea, but by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. They were famous for an eye salve that people came from all over to get to help their eye problems. And Jesus uses these things as illustrations, and he says, now, get some salve for your eyes, because spiritually, you're not seeing too well. And he says, in regard to your spiritual condition, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. And he says, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. In other words, you nauseate me. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but not half-hearted. Not halfway, not wishy-washy. The one penning the gospel according to Mark had the privilege of going with the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. But Acts chapter 13 tells us that at a point along the way on that journey, John Mark decides, I'm going home. I'm going back to Mama. I'm going back to Jerusalem. We aren't told why, but it was not a good reason. They finish their first missionary journey, and Paul and Barnabas, who just happens to be John Mark's cousin, so he's a family member, they're starting to plan the second missionary journey, and Barnabas says to Paul, we should invite Mark. And Paul says, nah, he deserted us on the first one. He's not going on this one. And Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp disagreement that Paul chooses Silas, Barnabas chooses John Mark, And they go their separate ways in ministry. And the Holy Spirit follows the ministry of the Apostle Paul, which tells me Paul's the leader and he was also right. Here's the good news. Paul at some point realized that Mark had truly repented. He was truly sorry for deserting them on the first missionary journey. He had taken a step toward maturity. And Paul somehow realized that, and when he ends one of the letters to Timothy, he says, and send Mark, because he's useful to me in the ministry. I think when Mark got that word, he was so encouraged. He was so refreshed. And here he is, back on the team. And not only did he have now the privilege because of his genuine repentance to go with the Apostle Paul and see people saved and churches planted. But Mark would have the ultimate privilege of pinning one of the four gospel accounts. The gospel according to Mark. What is it that God wants to do in your life if you would just repent? Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The word means a cooling, a recovery of breath, a revival. And that happens when you first repent and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, but it also happens for the Christian who repents and the fresh minister of the Holy Spirit. You get that peace that you once had. You get that fellowship with Jesus that you once had. And you have an open door now for God to be able to lead you and guide you. And now you're willing to go. And the things he wants to do in and through your life. 
that he would not be able to do had you not repented. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living work? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.